Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately for greater yields and more profit. This episode is brought to you by ADS, Advanced Drainage Systems. Soil, sunlight, and water are the three most important resources in crop production. Let ADS help manage your water resource in a productive and sustainable manner. Advanced Drainage Systems, their reason is water. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. I'm Damian Mason with another fantastic program for you today because we're going to be talking about issues that actually are going to impact you and your farming operation. We're talking about supply chain. Do not get scared. We're not going to get the charts out here with the bar graphs and showing you that, you know, supply and demand curves and all that. Many of you have taken the classes. You probably understand the, the rudimentary aspect of this, but you know what we're going to talk about is the real simple fact that will you be able to get the supplies you need for your farm six months from now, one month from now, one year from now, because of supply chain issues. And I've got Tommy Roach. He is a VP of Product Development and Technical Services with Nature's. I've got Iowa farmer and co-founder of Extreme Ag, Kelly Garrett on. We're gonna talk about what's happening at the farm level. We're gonna talk about pricing. We're gonna talk about the stuff that, the components that make up our products. We're gonna talk about availability, distribution, all the things. And you're saying, man, this sounds like a little boring. <laughs> it is not boring because if you can't get your stuff, you're gonna be stuck. Tommy Roach. What do we got going on? Big picture, I know that I'm hearing, and I, I don't buy fertilizer. Fertilizer prices doubling heading into the 2022 crop season, right? Correct. Okay. Um, gas prices, diesel prices up, what, 50%. Um, a guy that I do some business with, um, he's in my business of agriculture success group. He runs a bunch of uh, uh, ag retail. He works with a bunch of ag retailers in the West. He tells me that, containers the stuff that the crap goes in that comes over from asia asia the containers are about seven times more expensive than they were i think is the number he tells me give me some lay of the land here so talking about uh, freight last year this time a container uh used to cost four or five thousand dollars to get across the pacific ocean today that same container is upwards of twenty twenty five thousand dollars a container. Okay, so I said it's like five. So we have about five to six times the That's the right. container movement from Asia to here, and and we did that in one year. One year. All right. There's a problem. So that's only that's only that. Uh, you know, going back the other way, used to we would uh, load containers, ship them back to Asia. Well, we're sending empty containers back. Uh, vessels are sitting outside the ports on the West Coast, which the major ports on the West Coast are Long Beach, uh, Oakland, Vancouver are the big ones. They're, they're setting out there for weeks, uh, waiting, waiting to get in the port to, to get unloaded. Now, we're not going to get into why... They're not getting unloaded, but it, it takes a while. Well, we can get into it because it's part of the supply chain problem. First off, there's lack of labor, I'm assuming. That's correct. Right. And, yep. some reg and some probably some regulatory problems. Both. I mean, let's just face it. Uh, for whatever reason, 
Um, people are not wanting to work. It's hard. Used to the old saying was it's hard to find good help. Uh, nowadays it's hard to find help. Period. Uh, period. Um, so that, that's a fact. Um, when you, when you talk about China, cause a lot of stuff, a lot of, we depend on a lot of things from China. Well, let's go with that. Let's go with that right there. Now, you know, you're a company that's here in, in the United States of America. There's four major, big, huge chemical companies. They are multinational corporations. And a lot of their stuff that we buy is made there, not to mention all the generics, et cetera. How much of the stuff that we put in our, how much of the stuff that comes in a bottle or a jar or a, or a, a shuttle, how much of it comes from China? Well, a lot of, uh, AI, like uh, active ingredients for chemicals, come from China. Uh, of course, we don't deal with chemicals, but um, a lot of that is sourced um, in Asia. So it's going to affect, it did it last year and it's going to happen this year. It's going to affect labeled products as and probably even more so with generic products. Uh, a lot of the Chelates, the chelating agents that are used in fertilizer, uh, come from China. Uh, and of what's course, that, what's that mean? What's that mean? Chelating agents are things that protect zinc, manganese, iron, copper. Um, so is this a liquid? Like, is this a liquid that gets dumped into dry fertilizer? What is it? Well, it's dry ingredient dumped into liquid to form a shell around the 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 nutrient got it so, so well, that stuff comes plant available so that stuff comes from asia so let's say is it reasonable to say that half of the stuff that we put in our our crop inputs come from asia um maybe not half um, 30 40% yes if you count chem if you count chemistry uh micronutrients some of the phosphorus and phosphorus acids come from Asia. Um, potash doesn't come from Asia. Nitrogen typically doesn't. So, yeah, 30, 40%. Okay. So, what's the issue? Why are, why are these, why are these, first off, before we talk about the issues, let's go to the farm level. Kelly, we saw this last year. We saw this, we saw this heading into 2021 we saw this in the fall of 2020 some of us started saying hey just because you could stay at home and watch netflix all day which is what a lot of americans apparently did doesn't mean that the rest of the world still doesn't need to work especially in agriculture because while you're at home watching netflix you were all eating we still have to grow crops you can't shut down and still expect everything else to happen. And that was like a news flash for the average person to understand economics and or food production and or supply chains. We saw this last year. I thought we were going to be done with it. Tell me what happened last year and what you're anticipating this year at the farm level. Last in the spring of 2020, you know, I'm reading all the things about on May 10th, every hospital bed in the United States will be full and all those things. And, you know, I don't believe every hospital bed ever got full, but it was obviously a terrible situation. Um, one thing I did was I bought a whole semi load of fuel and parked it at the farm and I never used it until I knew we were going to be able to get done with our spring work. I was worried about these kinds of shortages then. Last fall, the fall of 2020, 
my local John Deere dealer, Van Wall, it's Extreme Ag's equipment partner, they would run out of parts for some of the combines and they couldn't get the parts in. They had combines on the lot here in Denison, Iowa, and they started cannibalizing. Yep. And they're taking, they had, you know, we called it the donor, the donor machines. Right. You know, you'd go to a donor machine and take the parts off that you need and put it on yours. I mean, because the dealership is doing everything they could to get us done. They did a great job. And I thought, I hoped that we would be through this and it's doing nothing but getting worse. So, yeah, you, you saw this. We saw it uh, yeah, a year and a half ago. Those of us that are forward thinking said, yeah, you can't just have a bunch of folks. And this is the world over being told you're not allowed to go to work. Well, yeah, it's cool. I can just sit at home, and watch Netflix and like, you know, hang out with my kids and eat popcorn. Well, somebody's got to make the popcorn. And then right. when the damn corn planter that plants the popcorn goes broke, then who is at the factory that's actually putting the parts together? This thing has a huge ripple effect. I got profiled on Forbes, by the way, talking about supply chain as I, as it were, because I said, even you crimp the thing in the middle, you know, <laughs> stuff can't come out the one end and it can't keep going in the other end. We saw this a year and a half ago. I thought maybe we'd be through it because we'd uh, amp up and ramp up production right now. If you need parts, can you get them? I can't get all my precision planning parts. I can't get all my John Deere parts. No. Okay. And then on the manufacturing side, Tommy, your natures, you make infro fertilizer is one of your big products. Um, you make your stuff, but you also need ingredients from somewhere else. What's, what's it look like for you? So here, here, prime example. So last year, everybody knew went through the Texas freeze. There's a, I don't know if people realize how much petrochemical plants are located on the, we'll just say around here between Houston and New Orleans. I mean, that's where chemical factories are left and right. And if any one of those factories go down and can't produce a downstream or an upstream ingredient, it just causes backlog of everything. And we're still fighting it today. Can't get, can't get certain uh, ingredients for products we need. All right. Did, your, did you ever run out? I mean, did you ever, right now, if I want to buy something from Nature's, is there anything I can't get? You cannot get, um, right now you can't get certain things that require amines, which was a form of nitrogen. Um, back in the spring, you couldn't get, uh, in a lot of cases, you could not get chelates because we didn't have the the chelating material, which we were waiting on uh, containers from China. So yes, we're still fighting it. All right. What about moving forward? It's it's we're recording this in the summer and heading into the early fall months of 2021. Um, I don't need your stuff until May. I don't need your stuff until April. Am I going to have it? <laughs> I spent. I spent about a dollar 10 a gallon on 35,000 gallons of storage. So 38,500 bucks because I want to get my starter fertilizer in from Tommy. Uh, there's a price increase, which is going across industries ind industry wide. I'm going to pay about half. I'm going to pay for about half of those tanks and just savings before the first of October. And if I wait till April to try to get my fertilizer for Tommy, I bet I can't get it. 
So that's my concern there is you're going to go ahead and you're going to fertilize her up. You're going to go ahead yep. and, and you're going to, you're going to be a hoarder. You are doing with fertilizer what the average American did with yep. toilet paper a year and a half ago. You're, you bought storage and you're bringing in a bunch of this infero fertilizer from nature's and you're going to bring it in in bulk and you're going to stick it in, what would you say about 30,000 gallons of, uh, we bought two 10,000-gallon tanks and three 5,000-gallon tanks. You got 35,000 gallons of fertilizer storage. You got to stick this in a barn? Uh, we're putting the two 10,000 gallons here in our big shop, and we're putting the three 5,000 gallons in another heated building because that's the thing. It has to be climate-controlled. So it can't get colder than 35, 45 degrees? Right. Okay. Right. Uh, is this happening, uh, Tommy, to everybody else? So historically um, – and, and again, this is highly dependent on where you at, where you're at in the U.S. Um, Minnesota, uh, Dakotas, Nebraska are a, have historically taken large volumes of of infertile fertility in the fall. Now, here's why: there are two reasons. One of them is those those geographies always use infertile fertility. They're the last place, the last a piece of nutrition that they will drop off out of their program. The second reason why is that up until, you know, if you go back 20 years, the, the normal progression was uh, there's three phosphate producers in the U S in North America. You have Simplot, you have Nutrien, and you have a, a smaller one, which is Edifos. They control the liquid phosphate market. And what they want to do is they set phosphate price here in the fall, and then they raise it up as you get into spring. And so in Kelly's case, he knows it's coming. So he's going to put in tanks now, buy fertilizer when, when the price is here versus waiting until the spring when it's, you know, 80 cents to $1.20 higher. It didn't take long to, to pay for storage in that scenario. Now, the problem that, that there is the last five years up until last year, uh, there's a thing called supply and demand. The commodity prices were low. Uh, people were cutting back on fertility. Uh, so therefore these phosphate companies had to kind of maintain phosphate price across the year. So growers, uh, they were at no advantage of buying in the fall versus the spring. They knew the price was going to be the same. So they got in a bad habit of just waiting to the spring, which last year uh, they that happened. And guess what? There's people that, that didn't get spring fertilizer. And so you fast forward to the day and everybody is moving up their buying habits, whether it's NPK fertilizer, whether it's micros, they do not want to have happen what happened last year. Yeah, I can understand that. So, uh, Kelly, is there something you think you're not going to get come spring? I mean, you're buying up uh, infro fertilizer. You need a lot more stuff than that. You put on foliar treatments. You put on uh, your, your your general broadcast fertilizer. You put on uh, you spray uh, winter annuals uh, in the fall. You put on uh, biologicals to eat down the stuff to make sure the nutrients are available. You put on a lot of you do a lot of crap. You're gonna get all your stuff. The thing I'm worried about right now, most of all, is liberty. 
we use uh, Liberty Chemistry on our soybeans. Uh, I bought some more. I thought I bought enough last year to carry through two years. I only have about half what I need, and I can't find any right now. So I might have to use another chemistry package on my beans, which, you know, there's other options out there, but I like Liberty the best. The other thing is, you know, I, I wonder about what if there's a fuel shortage? Uh, everything else, all the other things you talk about, we do do a lot of stuff. I will have, I believe I will have all of that here. I'm worried about chemistry and I'm worried about fuel. Uh, it doesn't matter if I have all my stuff here, Damien, if I don't have fuel, I can't put it on. Yeah. So how much fuel, how much fuel storage do you have enough to get you by? No. Yes, I do. So you could buy two tanker loads. You get more than you get through more than two tanker loads a year. Yes. Are, are we in a situation where you think some acres will go unplanted next year simply because supply chain cuts into the necessary inputs? If there is a severe fuel shortage, I think some acres could go unplanted. What I would say is we won't meet trendline yields because everyone will cut back on fertility because of either price or supply chain issues or probably a combination of both. Say that thing again. We talk about fuel. What was the next part of it? Fertility. People will either cut back on fertility because of price or more yeah. likely supply chain issues. And it'll probably be both. Uh, you know, my marketing consultant, $5 corn, you know, you're using a roundabout number for land cost, obviously, but $5 corn is a break even. So people will look to try to find a profit and they won't cut back their population on corn. They won't cut, they'll first thing they will cut is fertility, which is the last thing I would cut. Right. That's the first thing they will cut. Yeah. So you're saying 2022 crop right now, the outlook is $5 corn is break even uh, next year. If you, you know, I've said this before, you're not going to meet many people with more gambling than I do. If you want to tell me what the trend line yield is for 2022, I don't know what it is, but I'll bet you a dollar. I'll take the other. Got it. I don't care what the weather's. I'll take the other. And that's, and that's because you think there's going to be inputs that don't get applied? Yes. Okay. Tell, uh, Tommy, what are you seeing? Uh, you know, what, what else are you seeing? Because this is stuff that the average person certainly doesn't think about. Surely now farmers are starting to think about it because they're going to it. What are you seeing that they're not? Well, we talked about checklists earlier. Uh, you need to go down your checklist and – if you're able to, I would get everything you you can get your hands on right now because you're you're in the perfect um, pricing scenario right now versus what you're going to be in in the spring. And if it, you know what, buying a buying a tank or two, it's not going to break the bank, but you're going to pay for that tank in less than two years. Yeah, and that's just your product, but you're talking about a lot of other things also. So you don't think we're going to see acres going planted. You think we'll see acres get planted in a more shoddy manner, Kelly. Tommy, you got a little bigger uh, perspective because you work for a company that has you in different parts of the country all the time. Is that true? I mean, there's parts of the world that there's parts of this country that need a hell of a lot of irrigation. They need a lot of love to get a crop. They need a lot more, you know, does some of the more less shiny acres, I always say that some of the less shiny acres go unplanted. What do you think? Well, like, like Kelly said, um, there's certain things that are easier to drop out of a program than others. You know, people may decide, okay, well, I can't, I can't buy a shiny new planter. Or, well, they probably couldn't even find, find one. Maybe uh, they're not going to outfit it, outfit it with, uh, you know, say precision planning parts or, 
or surefire application equipment, or they will just drop out some piece of fertility, whether it's infer fertility, foliar fertility, they're not going to not plant the acre. I mean, they, they may, they may, um, I, I don't even think they'll, they'll drop population any. They're going to plant the acre. So they're just going to the fudge on every, on, a, on other items. So we're either, bar, we're either borrowing fertility from the, the bank, meaning years of, of building it up, or we're going to suffer. We're going to have lesser crops. So that means we're going to very likely then if we don't cut acres, we don't have the inputs. We're going to have, we're going to have trend line yield way, way be down. So we're talking 177 bushel corn average this year is what I just saw from the pro farmers tour. We're going to be talking 10 under that 15 under that next year, Kelly. Yeah, that's, it wouldn't take a lot to move the national average five or 10 bushel. And of course, if you move the national average down 10%, then we're going to be above that uh, break even price because we are going to, we're going to bid up to get those, to get those acres. You know, I don't know what trend line yield is, but based on the, how dry it is in the whole country, you're going to go into next spring with a lack of subsoil moisture. Then if we have supply chain issues on fertility and or cost issues, which I believe those are obviously going to be there. Then what if we have a prolonged fuel shortage into the summer and some of the pivots that are run off diesel motors, what if they have a hard time getting fuel? I mean, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but rabbit hole, rabbit hole this is Armageddon. You Kelly over here, no. boomer and gloomer like he is. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, $5 corn is a break even, but right now when you're looking at all these things, I guess I would, a farmer's never supposed to be bullish, but uh, I would be kind of friendly to the corn market right now when you talk about these things, because nothing we're talking about talks about a bumper crop. Uh-huh. That, that's all I'm trying to say. So what you're saying is that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go above, we're going to be able to sell corn for a lot more than five bucks, right? I don't know if I want to use the term a lot more, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, yes. What else? We're not even not? talking about the wheat market. What's about the wheat oh, market, Tommy? That's going to be it. So what do we know here? Because we know that everybody needs the inputs. We know there's going to be shortages. But by the way, Tommy, are you hearing this? Are we, are we going to have diesel shortages? Kelly's brought it up a number of times. Anything's possible. I mean, who would have thought that we'd have had what we saw this year between Corona or COVID, whatever you want to call it. And the Texas freeze, who would have thought that? That was a one in a hundred event. Um, you know, the wheat market, you, you look at what happened in Texas this year. My parents farm north of Fort Worth. They were, they were still cutting wheat in the middle of July, which normally they're cutting wheat at the end of May. I mean, it was just too wet. And you go all the way up through the plains, all the way up into Canada. They're, they've got about a half a crop in in western canada right now and and the major two major crops are canola and wheat and they've got about a half a crop at best yeah. so i would say uh if you if you need wheat if you want if you can plant winter winter wheat i would say there's a pretty good chance you're going to get a good return interesting and by the way a few less inputs are needed to plant wheat other than the seed right there you go. You know, the, use, the term for these kind of events was uh, a black swan. And right now we are living in a historic time because there's a whole flack of black swans flying past my shop. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, there's, there's a whole heck of a lot more things. You know, when you can't buy gas and you can't buy diesel and you can't buy fertilizer and you can't buy seed. Is there going to be seed? That's the other one. Is it, we got, we're fine on seed, right? We should be fine on seed yeah. this year. 
So seed's not going to be our issue. It's going to be it's going to be agronomic inputs from fertilizer to uh, to the chemistry to then maybe the fuel. Right. Listen, you know, we started with COVID, which was what black swan in itself. Then everybody stayed home or got paid to stay home. Now nobody wants to go to work, and now we're having supply chain issues. That's almost a whole other black swan. Then you throw in the the Texas freeze. Now we're up to three. Yeah. I well, mean, and weather, and then and then you could even argue yes, weather. Yes, and then now we're out. You could even argue weather, uh, which part of the country is suffering from some dryness. So there could be that. And then, um, you know, and then if there's military conflict because of some some worldwide instability, then you've got that one. So, yeah, there could be, like you said, there's a whole flock of black swans. Anything we didn't talk about that we need to before Tommy then takes that to then start talking about his strategy on playing uh, Euchre, which he doesn't play because he's in Texas. I mean, is there anything about this subject, Tommy, that we need to give some uh, credence to some, some discussion. Which, which by the way, my in-laws are from Ohio and they played Euchre. So that's how I know about Euchre. All right. Is there anything? Um, I would, I, like I, to, I would I just. For the record that I'm the best Euchre player that anybody knows. That's all. Okay. We'll, we'll discuss that another time. Okay. What do we need to know? Uh, obviously be prepared stockpile. If you can, what else do we need to know? Anything? Uh, I would just say, <laughs> Everybody, everybody is reacting like it was two years ago when things were running all nice and smooth, whether you're at a restaurant or picking up fertilizer at a plant. Things are running a little slower nowadays just because of manpower. So uh, be patient. Exercise patience. Yeah, I guess my thought would be kind of like what Kelly's saying and what you just alluded to is that these are different times. Uh, you know, um, it's, and I'm not pulling this unprecedented and, you know, we all need to wear masks. None of that crap. I'm just saying the marketplace, it's a reality. I, I, you know, I couldn't get chlorine tabs for my pool, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, is that life or death? Well, no, but these are really, it's like, hell, you never had a problem getting chlorine tabs for your pool. So there are some realities to this. And, to the savvy person that looks ahead and, you know, the, the old uh, three little piggies, the person that built the straw hut and the piggy that built the twig hut and the piggy that built the brick hut, by God, build yourself a brick hut because it might just give you some payback opportunities is kind of what we're talking about here. So if you're a farmer that can build the brick hut, you don't want to be the little piggy that, uh, you know, huff and puff and gets your, your house blown down. Kelly, you get the closing word. I think that that's a great analogy. We need to build the brick hut and be prepared and, and be a bit of a hoarder in your own right. If you, if you can, so you can put your crop in, uh, there's a few companies that are saying they're out of beer bottles. We have an aluminum tanker here on the farm and my employees want to donate it because they don't want to run out of beer cans too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real issue, by the way, beer cans and beer bottles. That was cans and now it's bottles. Uh, cause my buddy's in the beer distribution business. So, uh, I, I hear you just buy kegs. I do that. And uh, I will point out on the way out the door here, dear listeners and viewers of cutting the curve that I always have beer on tap. That doesn't mean you can come and visit me. I mean, without <laughs> certainly, without certainly like, you know, some sort of notice, but, uh, and, and I will put a little jar out. You can, you know, put your contribution in when they started saying shut down, shut down. I remember I put on social media a year and a half ago uh, that uh, I had my keg. I said, you can grab all the toilet paper you want, but anybody who gets between me and the cash register, my keg of Coors Banquet, there's going to be some fists flying, all right? You can have the toilet paper. You don't get between me and that register with this banquet beer. 
All right. His name's Tommy Roach. He's the VP of Product Development and Technical Services at Natures. You know Natures. It's N-A-C-H-U-R-S. You can look him up. Look up them if you want any more. You can find him if you want any of his commentary. Uh, my, my, my buddy, Kelly Garrett of Garrett Land and Cattle out of uh, Western Iowa. The town's Denison, or there's a couple other towns near there. It gets really confusing. But anyway, he's from Western Iowa. And uh, you can find him all over social media. And if you'd like more of this kind of dialogue, if you'd like to up your farming game even to the next level, you can join Extreme Ag. Go to extremeag.farm. Essentially, you can pay a little teeny bit of money for an annual membership. And by doing so, you can get direct access to the six guys that founded Extreme Ag. They'll call them up on the phone and say, hey, I've got this issue. I kind of want your perspective on it. And also you get invited to exclusive events like we're going to be having, it sounds like, at Commodity Classic, but more to come on that later. Till next time, he's Tommy Roach. He's Kelly Garrett. I'm David Mason. This is Cutting the Curve. Thanks for joining us. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.